0: cookie balls 750 milliliter bottle of rum welcome to the velocity podcast a study in monology this is your grumpy uncle peter he will say words at you star wars um in the last movie ray almost involuntarily uses force lightning And the underlying implication of her using force lightning is actually that force powers are sort of connected to you almost genetically. So we know that in the Star Wars universe, some people are more powerful with the force. Maybe they can use it more easily, uh, so they can learn more things. They have natural skills that others don't. Other people maybe have to train, and they can get to a higher level. It's almost like real-life sports. You have some people who just have natural inclinations to be able to move in certain ways better than others. You have some people who are just genetically disposed to be large and therefore are more physically capable of certain things. So it seems like the idea is the force is similar. Maybe I would be strong with force mind powers. Someone else would be strong with force push, whereas someone else would be strong with just uh, the precognitive abilities that seem to come with the force. It's rare for someone to be. All of them has been implied in some of the movies as well. It would be interesting because we don't see much of what Ben Kenobi is actually capable of. He does all the basic force stuff, but he doesn't seem to be particularly adept at one thing and not another. So I think they didn't actually write this into the movies very well. Uh, We don't have any discussions about what people are good at and not good at naturally or through training. But we never see any Jedi use Force Lightning. So the implication at first was Force Lightning is something you learn on the dark side. But the fact that Rey, we don't believe she is a Sith, we don't believe she has fallen to the dark side, her usage of Force Lightning sets off another set of questions. Are these genetic abilities? Is what you can do with the Force written into your genetic code? Because she seems just as surprised as everyone else when it happens. So there are underlying implications there. And the one that I found most interesting is that just like dogs, you could then start breeding a better Jedi. You could breed a mind-powered Jedi with someone who has a lot of force power. And then they have a kid who can do both. Maybe they have a bunch of kids and one of them ends up like a pug who can't do anything and the other one ends up like a German Shepherd who just seems to be amazing at everything. So you take the German Shepherd and you breed that one and you breed that one with a Sith who can use Force Lightning and maybe some of the other darker arts and then that child comes out and they can do all the stuff. They can do all the Jedi stuff and all the Sith stuff and you train them up and then you just get under this point where you now have the ultimate Force power being who is absolutely terrifying so why did I start down this path? As a tiny side note to that thought, so that uh, you could sort of breed eugenics into the Star Wars universe, and that would be terrifying, just like in real life. I don't know why I had this idea, but in the original first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, there's the scene where Darth Vader cuts down Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then he walks up, and he steps on the empty shroud that used to contain the body. He's disappeared And that's when he turns into a Force ghost later. Spoiler alert. I thought for some reason it would really be a different movie and a different series overall if when Darth Vader stepped on the cloak and it made a little squishy sound. So next time you watch Star Wars, if you watch that the the old A New Hope movie, when Darth Vader steps on the cloak, just do a little... (coughs) with his foot and see how annoyed your friends are going to be. Because... You have just changed the whole tone of the film with one little sound. So recently it was announced, recently it was a few months ago that it was announced that there was going to be a new Batman. This is like, I don't know, like 10, 20 Batmans later. The last one that came out was Ben Affleck and everyone freaked out like he wasn't going to be a good Batman. And now it's the guy who played the vampire in Twilight and everyone's freaking out like he's not going to be a good Batman. Ben Affleck, honestly, he was a pretty good Batman. And I'm betting this other guy is going to be a perfectly adequate Batman. Because how many Batman have we had before? I mean, there's Michael Keaton, and we're just talking live action movies. We had George Clooney, we had Val Kilmer, Christian Bale, and then Ben Affleck. And now we got a new guy. And people are making it seem like it's a big deal. But the fact is, we've changed Batmans many times. And... When we have a new James Bond, there's always a big thing about how this person isn't going to be right for James Bond. And then the movie comes out and they're a perfectly adequate James Bond. And the reason is actually very simple. And it's superhero acting isn't that hard. Really, all you need is a general approximation of the look and be able to look serious most of the time. And you're probably going to do fine as a superhero. They talked about Tom Holland, maybe not being a great Spider-Man. And it turns out he was just fine, if not great. Depends how you feel about Tom Holland. It's actually come up on the podcast before where someone asked a core question is, why is he the worst Spider-Man? But clearly they were just someone who didn't like him and was looking for reasons why this guy wasn't a good Spider-Man. When we all can see, in reality, he's just fine. But the superhero as an acting challenge is quite low. So I think any mediocre to adequate actor could probably pull off a pretty good Batman or Spider-Man or pretty much any of the big superhero characters without too much trouble. I honestly believe that I, who have no acting skills whatsoever, could pull off a superhero without too much trouble. The thing is, you would need to find a superhero that vaguely matches my look. There's not a lot of 50-year-old red-headed superheroes. I mean, fifty's already the first big question. Ben Affleck was supposed to be the older Batman. But... If you want me to stand around and look serious about things for a little while, I think I can manage that. And if you want me to be flippant for a little while, I think I can pretty much manage that too. So when it comes down to, is someone going to be a good or bad superhero? I think it's one of those cases where you might actually want to watch the movie first and see if it's a good movie. Because I'm betting the actor is fine. The question is whether or not they have a good script. I think we can agree George Clooney is a fine actor. He just had a horrible, horrible script that he was given. So I would actually say the actor they choose is substantially less important than the writer they choose for whatever superhero they're going to make. So before you freak out, I actually bet it would be better to look at the writer than the actor because any mediocre actor is probably going to be able to pull it off. Okay, so... There is something they don't talk about in the whole Star Trek universe. They don't deal with very much. And it's the, um, it would be the abuse of the holodeck. And there's going to be a replacement of all masturbatory aids when it comes to the holodeck. There is going to be a lot of individual sex parties going on, let's say. And I actually think the holodeck is problematic because it would lead people down their darkest paths, very easily. But then that leads to a secondary question. It's the question that sort of where my mind takes me once we get past all the, ooh, wouldn't it be creepy or weird or stuff and all the things people could do in the holodeck. No, it's it's what happens afterwards. Let us say that I am the desperate party and I am going to engage in certain acts on the holodeck to completion. Now that will leave a certain personal residue often referred to as semen or ejaculate. The thing I'm having intercourse with, in the show, they refer to it as hard light. So that's actually one of the first questions you actually need to deal with is, does that feel good? Does it feel better? Does it feel worse? Can you manipulate the settings to make it better for you, whatnot? I don't know. When they were interacting with holograms, they did seem human-ish. And the hard light meant that they could interact with people as long as they were on the holodeck. But when you turn it off, When you turn off the holodeck, what would happen is all the hard light beings suddenly disappear and all the ejaculate would fall directly to the floor. So that being said, who's going to clean up the ejaculate? So like, this is, I guess, what happens in porn theater. Someone has to go in there and clean it up. Now, then I had an amazing idea, and this is something I've actually had before. And it's because we have transporter technology that you wouldn't actually have to go in there and clean up the actual substance. You could actually just transport it away. You could go to the transporter room. I don't know how expensive this technology is, so I don't know how easy or cheap it would be to use if anyone could just access it any time. They use it just to get around magically throughout the universe. I understand the reality narrative-wise of why they have the transporter. But application-wise, if it was available you have a room covered in semen, you just have to take, tell the transporter to take all the organic material and beam it, I guess, out into space. Uh, I don't know how careful you want to be or whatnot, uh, but you could do that, which led me to an interesting secondary idea. So I have just had intercourse with an actual being, not a holodeck hard light counterpart and we have, you know, engaged in the act until completion, and I am worried about an unwanted pregnancy. I could have all my DNA transported out of her body, and again, into space wherever you want, it's disposed of. And this could be a new form of very safe birth control, as long as the transporter technology is safe. You have seen the Episodes where the transporter goes wrong and you have two people uh, get mixed together or bits of their, their, they become a new person. Stuff like that happens all the time uh, in the shows, but that's because they're playing with the technology. And the secondary question, because again, if you get to the tech level of technology they're using and nothing actually should, let's say, get wasted on a spaceship, that DNA could be reconstituted into the replicator and then used for food. There's a, a thought to sort of end off your day. Uh, if you weren't already thinking about, How semen could be used, manipulated, and played with in the Star Trek universe. On a previous episode, I called for listeners to send in some other euphemisms they might use for uh, masturbation, because I had realized while talking about a story that included masturbation as a topic, I didn't want to say the same word over and over again, so I thought I should use some euphemisms. I realized very quickly that I was not. Best equipped for this job, I maybe should have made a list beforehand, or memorized it, or learned some new ones, and I found myself stuck using the same sad, tired idioms I'd used many times before, and then that was a situation that needed to be changed. and I needed to be educated, and, and luckily for me, I have very generous fans who sent in some other euphemisms for masturbation. So here's just a taste, just a suissant of some of the ones I got from uh, one of the one of our one of the friends of the podcast. Hey, Peter, long time, many times. In a recent episode, you were asking about different words for masturbation because you only knew a couple. I don't remember which ones you knew, so sorry if I repeat any here, but I thought I'd give you some options. Uh, we'll start with stroking the monkey, punching one out, rubbing one out, making jazz hands, calling Uncle Jesse, pumping gas, playing the Portuguese panpipe, bottlenecking, Greg Kinnear, dunking Oreos, paying Putin, and watering the plants. Uh, there's probably more, maybe some other people will send you some too. Hope that helps. Bye. Thank you, guy. The loss of, the loss of, the loss of, the loss of. The loss of podcast, the loss of podcast. Know. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. Leave a text to a voice question or comment at voicelink.fm slash podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or go to valicypeter.com slash podcast. Sexy out, homies. Okay. Now, there was one show I remember where, oh, that was a different show.